The following program is an exclusive Disruption Networks production. The Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley was born when three top producing agents with over 25 years of combined experience selling real estate joined forces to take real estate to the next level. We practice with honesty, integrity, and the knowledge to help make the buying and selling process easy and stress-free for all of our clients. We pledge to always make our clients our top priority from start to finish and even after the house is closed. We will always be a valued resource for information and assistance for our buyers and sellers. Our customers over the years have become not only past clients, but great friends. As we join hands together as the Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, we look forward to serving our clients and our community and making a positive difference. You can reach us at 315-601-9630 for all of your real estate needs. Hi, this is attorney Nick Pasolacqua. The team of attorneys I have assembled at Pasolacqua Associates has been carefully hand-picked to include the best trial attorneys in the particular areas of the law that we practice. Have you been charged with DWI or any other crime? Members of our team include former assistant district attorneys now fighting to protect your rights 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Have you or someone you love been seriously injured in a motor vehicle accident? Members of the team at Pasolacqua Associates include former insurance defense attorneys now fighting to ensure that you get every penny you're entitled to. If you need legal help quick, don't waste your time or money calling anyone else. Remember, for legal help quick, you better call Nick and the team at Passalaquan Associates, 315-500-NICK or 315-500-6425 or visit cnytriallaw.com today. Yo, law infidels, that's right, it's Hacker Hameen. This is Al Schneer from the band Mo. Hey, this is Corey Glover from Living Color. And you're listening to EC Radio. And you're listening to EC Radio. Live on EC Radio with the Z-Man, so take the pizza out of your fat moron mouse. Sit back and listen before I give you a $5 face slap. You'll never forget, infidels. Yo, law. Wednesday, people, and the Waxter himself is here, present and accounted for on this Wednesday, June 13, 2018. Chris Major's birthday. Speaking of Wacky Wednesday, that's a wacky dude right there. It's going to be a wacky show, I can feel it. No, that was yesterday. Ah, what's up, everybody? Here I am. Good to see you. Z here hanging. How you doing, people? Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday. Joining me, as always, my tag team partner, my bro-ham, my dude, my man's in them, Chicken. What up? What's happening, buddy? What's going you on? You having a good day? Having a great day. Kind yeah. of a, eh, weather-wise, but, you know, mood's pretty good. Your mood's good? Yeah, my mood's good. Right on. Right on. And joining us in the studio, another old friend of mine. Mr. Urban Grow, <laughs> my friend Mark Doherty joining us. Mark, welcome, man. Good oh, to see you. Good to see you guys. Thanks How for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. Glad to be here. Studio's looking great, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Love the remodel. Love the, uh, Thanks, man. Love the setup. I got a lot of cameras looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> me well, you don't even have to look we're, at them. We're yeah. on 15 different social media platforms streaming <laughs> simultaneously. That's a little frightening, but okay. That's a lot of stuff right. going on. That's a lot going on. We've got a lot of stuff going on, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I saw a great picture of you and somebody who's joining in right now, Eric DeCarlis. Over oh, the weekend, nice. you guys yeah. were holding each other. Like, What's up, Gravedigger? You were even Grave thinking digger. about making a punch yeah. <laughs> we with were. him? 
Well, oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah no, he was. Uh, he was getting a little wild on his birthday. <laughs> we went to Turning Stone. They had a ring set up, so we mm-hmm. had to go a couple of rounds just to level him out a little bit. You know, bring him down a couple notches. Did you? So yeah, yeah. For he sure. chicken that gets a Smatchu boy, Smatchu boy. <laughs> that's definitely a Smatchu boy. It's <laughs> definitely Eric is like he's got like Hulk blood. Dude, yeah, right? He's huge. Yeah, he's huge. And, he should be in the uh, WWE. Yeah, that yeah, guy. He's he's awesome, man. He's he's you know you know big guy, fit, built, right, and he's he's out there you know doing everything with Fierce Foundations. Yeah. Uh, you know his gym, his his uh, facility out there where he's doing personal training, doing classes, doing stuff like that. I've watched that come about in the last what nine ten months that he's gotten that up and running. And he's killing it. Doing it's, great it's things. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Him and Angela, you know. Are oh, absolutely. Doing great things. <laughs> he's checking know? in right now. He's saying round two coming. Round two coming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. You know, you can buy me a steak afterwards, and we'll call it. Wow. <laughs> I'll put it on my bl- my bloody black eye that he gives me. Yeah. Know? Right. The yeah. confidence yeah. level. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> he could buy you a steak after you guys come out of the ER. After we come out of the <laughs> yeah, ER. After, after I come out of the ER. Right. Yeah. Well, he's gonna have to pick you up from there. I think that steak is going on the eye. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I love watching his videos, though, and what he puts his clients through. Like, that's a great work. And I, Chicken, wasn't I just not saying it when we yep. came back from Clinton? I'm like, I wanted to have Eric come kick my ass one of these days. So yeah. uh, we got to go up there and, and do a bit up there and just get a good workout in. He wants to get his ass kicked, but I'll probably end up getting my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. I like what he's doing up there. He's, it's not your g- normal gym. No, no, no I mean, I mean, the, the, no, the work he's doing, the classes he's doing, the stuff he's doing with kids up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, I've, I've not seen that type of thing anywhere, certainly around here. Um, and of course, you know, I've been been here 15 years now. I've been, lived in this area for 15 years. And, you know, stuff that that Eric's doing is, uh, you know, needed and, and obviously wanted by the community. And, you know, he's a huge supporter. You know, I'm, I'm glad to know him. Glad to know Angela. Uh, and there's there's so many great people that I've met, that I've you know gotten to work with, gotten to see grow in this area and, and over the last 15 years since I moved here and lived here. And, um, you know, they're, 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 that couple happens to be one of them. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. a power couple for yeah, sure. Yeah, they're awesome. Let's back up a little bit, though. You, you're not from here originally? No, I grew up down in Binghamton. Did you? That, that area. Went to high school and all that good stuff like down Endicott there. Endicott or something? Yeah, Endicott. Oh, yeah, is, is that where Endicott. you're from? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right on. So uh, moved from there, went up to... The Adirondacks went to Paul Smith's College right out of high school. That's where I met Hardiman. Ah, uh, we there. Buddies at college. That's yeah. where the connection comes yep. in. Okay, yep. that's how we met, and then um, was living up there. You know, kind of became a local after college, and uh, you know, enjoying the the lifestyle up there. It's Saranac Lake. Up there, yeah, Saranac Placid. That beautiful area. up there. It's gorgeous up there. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was working in restaurants back then, and that's a good place to do that. And, uh, you know, and Just also to hang at the waterhole. Oh, the waterhole was our place. It's legendary. Oh, I love the waterhole. It was it was so sad when we heard that the waterhole shut down for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then some new folks came in and, and breathed new life into it and started bringing good shows there again. Yep. And that upstairs area that they have up there, you know, up above the old bar. Oh, oh yeah. That, you know, we used to see shows up there. And I mean, great music that used to come through Saranac, little so old Saranac many. Lake, uh, because it's just such a cool venue and a cool vibe. And. So I'm glad to see that that's back up and running and, and running music through there now. And um, so, yeah, I was living up there. And then Chris and uh, Tim or yeah, Chris Talgo and, and Tim were down here. And uh, I didn't really know Talgo then uh, just from like coming down here to see shows and stuff that I used to come down here and hang out with those guys from time to time. Talgo gets the idea to buy that house on Varick. Yeah. And then the old crack started, house. Yeah, the old crack house. <laughs> and then we start talking about turning that into a restaurant back then. And that's what ended up moving me down here. 
was to do that with those guys. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. what got you down it's here? Crazy. Yeah, that's why I came down here was to try and open a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we get started on that oh, project. Th- you know, and it was it was like um, it was a lot. I think, you know, Tim, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but what he and Chris have created, you know, now with Oof. Taylor and the Cook, I think that was along the lines of what he was thinking back then, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, how of the game he is, though. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we that concept then, you know, for, for a long time ago, uh-huh. we would go to banks with our little business plan and our little, you know, bank account that looked like shit, you know, <laughs> nothing <laughs> in it. No money, no nothing. We're like 24-ish back then. And, uh, I mean, literally, quite literally, we were laughed at by bankers mm-hmm. when we were like, we're going to put a high-end restaurant on Varick Street. They were just like, you're out of your out of your mind. Get out of my office, please. Now. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Click, you know, who's laughing and, now? Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's it's come a long way. Exactly. And and uh, but that's how it got started. We were trying to do that. Then we realized, you know, we need to make some money. We wanted to do something with what we were building. So we created the catering company. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we did that for a couple of years. That's what then birthed Titties, Wieners, and Buns, which was, you know, yeah, the tent and the grill and yeah. all of that stuff, you know, one day. The we home wrecker, the, the home of the home wrecker, wrecker yeah. which was like a, was it like a pound and a half hot dog? Well, it gets bigger every time you tell the story. You know? <laughs> so uh, I think at this point it's like a six and a half pound hot dog. Uh, yeah, no know, doubt. But yeah, Hardeman would, uh, would take one out uh, of the cooler, you know, later at night this would start to happen where people would come over and, Oh, what? What's a home wrecker? And you pull it out of the cooler and waggle it in their face. <laughs> Can you handle the home wrecker? You know, so we were having a good time with that. You the know, joke used to be your your mama <laughs> likes a frozen home wrecker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. exactly. So you know, we did that, and then um, you know, Chris eventually started uh, Nail Creek, and and then those guys eventually started uh, you know uh, Taylor and the Cook, and you know, I had gone off and and you know, I went back to school locally here. You know, I I went back to uh, SUNY, was SUNY IT then, SUNY Pi now, and went nights and nights and weekends or well, not weekends, but nights and summers and all that kind of stuff uh, to to get another degree there. And then was lucky enough to do a master's program there as well. I mean, that's a phenomenal asset of our area. Oh, you yeah. know, um, that uh, you know, I think isn't totally always appreciated for what it really is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I, I went to school there, had a great experience, you know, doing that, especially as I, I was like an older, older student, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, and then, you know, eventually, you know, I ended up starting another business and things like that. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what, you know, kind of got me here. And, and a lot of the things I've done, I've been really lucky. This, this area, Utica, Mohawk Valley area has been phenomenal. To me, it's been phenomenal to live here. Um, you know, the things that I've been able to do, I don't know if I could have done them anywhere else. You know, I originally thought you were from here. Yeah, no, well, no. Didn't now I got here. your backstory, and this is yeah. great. So that's yeah. how you came into this. That was a great story. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, right? ultimately, I mean, I think the, the highest accomplishment ever is still Titties, Wieners, and Buns. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever, you know, compare to that. Yeah. That, was, that was a great time, you know. So they had knocked down those two buildings on Varick. They're next to what's now uh, Nail Creek. Right. There used to it, be two buildings there. Yep, where the that parking lot, lot is. Mm-hmm. There and was a, like an old salon there yes. and just a torn down building. It was it was it, in bad shape. It was dumpy. Yeah. yeah. And so they tore it down. City tore it down. And then it was a dirt lot. And there was all this debate over what they were going to do with it. And so for a couple of years, it just stayed a dirt lot. Mm-hmm. And we were set up right on the edge of it. And people would set up behind us 
and like tailgate basically in this lot. And we, we think that, you know, there's always a heavy police presence down there. Yeah. Good, you know, good thing there is. Right. Um, but we think that the cops thought that that was Chris's property. So they'd leave <laughs> everyone alone drinking and carrying on and shenanigans behind the tent. But the minute anyone would step onto the sidewalk holding a solo cup, they'd come over and 10 cops would tackle them <laughs> and like take them out. You know what I mean? And like give them a ticket, you know? And uh, so we were we were running like this this little party on the side of his house basically because <laughs> at that point I think he was living there yeah. you know and uh, yeah those were good times you know we were just uh, kind of looking for anything we could do to you know do a hustle make money you know um, do something cool you know in the in the area and uh, that was definitely I think one of the the most fun times we've had that's I, great you I think you guys were like one of the first food vendors down there too they were. No doubt. And speaking yeah. of titties and wieners, I found two people having sex in my cart in that parking lot once. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And then weren't you like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they ignored you. And yeah, they kept just kept going. going. I'm like, uh, I got to go. And they're just like, yeah. oh, no problem, man. And I'm like, they kept going. I'm like, <laughs> so I went back in the bar. I had a couple beers and figured I'd come back, check on them. They're just all cuddling up. And I'm like, all right, guys, you got to go through them. Their shirt back and <laughs> went on my way. <laughs> you know, you can't block them, you know. The things yeah. that happen on Varick Street. Yeah. Oh, I've seen great. seen some some good good times down there. That's for sure. Indeed. You know, I mean, back when the EC was open, you know, when I first moved down here, that was right when you would open the EC. Mm -hmm. And Tim and those guys, that whole crew was hanging out there all the time, you know, every like every night, you know, or whatever. A lot of good music down there. Um, you know, that was kind of my first introduction to the area. I remember I came down, I think I came down to, to see a concert actually at the odd or something. In fact, Hardman was posting about it the other day. That was right around the time that Oysterhead played. Oysterhead? The odd. Yeah. And, uh, which I was think, like, you know, oh, two maybe or oh, two one or that was like, when I first like came down to this, this area and started hanging out and then I came show. down for some other shows and stuff to hang out with those guys. And then I got introduced to you and the EC and stuff. And then I eventually, you know, moved like the next year or whatever. So, well, so yeah, you, you came times. in right, right at the right time. Great times. Right? Yeah. yeah. Great times. You know, talk about the Oyster Head show, though, for a second. Oh that that was legendary at the odd when you got oh. Trey Anastasio, Les Claypool and Stuart Copeland as a three piece band coming to the odd rock that place. And, that, and that album is incredible. I'm glad yeah. Hardeman posted yeah. that up. Oh, yeah. No, it, with that show that goes down in my experience as as one of the top probably two or three shows I've, I've ever seen. And, and one of the other really great shows, we were talking about this the other night when I bumped into you, um, was the last time Fish played the odd. Yeah. They just burned it down. 10, they 10, just, 10. Oh, it was great. That was a great show. But that, that Oysterhead show, walk into the odd, and you can tell right away that the folks running the show at that point in time were not prepared for what was coming at them that night. They were not prepared for, you know, like – 6,000, you know, uh, unique individuals coming into this venue to just let loose a, as much as possible for three hours straight. And, I think the uh, odd itself couldn't handle it. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, there were people jumping the balconies. There were people just like there was they were trying to, like, control ticketing, you yeah. know, like, oh, you can go here. You can go here and all that stuff. That was out the window. That was a bum you rush. Know, that was out the window before they even stepped on stage. It was just crazy, but it was a really good time. Yeah, yeah. we had a great time. One of the most wildest nights I've ever had at the odd. <laughs> I imagine how smoky it must have been in there. It was. Oh, it was yeah. bad. Oh yeah. No, it was. It was a great. It was a great time. Great show. And uh, you know, I hope they continue to bring bring great shows into town. You know, we were talking about too that the legendary. Uh, Band oh yeah the, that's right which happened re right after that pretty much i yeah, want to say like six months 
six months after that Oysterhead show, he came right back with the tray band at yeah. the Stanley. Yeah. That's right. We talked about this the other day at yeah. the Stanley. And the balcony was shaking so much that plaster was falling from the ceiling. And what happened was the fire marshal had to shut that show down because the the balcony was just moving like this. Wow. Like eight inches. And the, the fire marshal was screaming at the tour manager, you got to shut this down. So in the middle of the show, tour manager walks up to Trey, whispers in his ear. That they had to make an announcement that we got to stop. Trey goes into his dressing room, comes back out with his guitar, and finishes the night off playing acoustic. Told stories and all this. And it was great. He just saved the day. Calmed everything down. Calmed yeah. everything down. And then Cheo books him for a show, like, down the road maybe six months later or whatever at the at the odd uh-huh. with uh, the Trey band and they picked up right where they left off <laughs> which is amazing about yeah. Trey he, yeah. he went back to the archives to figure out what they were doing and they started right where they got left off and it, it just random amazing yeah. one, of, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't go to that show at the Stanley I had tickets I was all lined up to come down I was still living up north at the time I was all lined up to come down and hit that show was working, you know, wherever at the time and boss wouldn't give me the day or two I needed to come down. And, you know, I always had to add like a day or two buffer to those type of trips. Yeah. You know how that goes. Especially right? if you're, you're coming to Utica. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Come to Utica, coming down to party with my, my college buddies and yeah. all that stuff. You got to decompress a, a little you gotta bit. You got to decompress. You got to <laughs> relax. You got to take it easy. You don't want to <laughs> overwhelm yourself. And uh, I didn't end up going. It was a legendary show, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. I decided right then and there, I'm never going to miss something like that again for. <clears throat> something like a, like a job like and that was my mentality then <laughs> and honestly it still kind of is you know yeah. i mean it, it, it's some of these things that that cross our paths you know like they're they're just never going to be i absolutely 100 percent agree with you like yeah. i couldn't agree with you more like every time like a bob seeger comes to town or a band that i really am into mm-hmm. i make it a point to go see them because you never know what you're gonna see you never know who's gonna jump on stage with them you never know like that could be your last time ever seeing them it could be an epic show mm-hmm. and you can miss it and and for what for a job that maybe you left six months later. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, a job you just don't care about. At least you, when you look back and you say, I have these memories and I can always have them with me, you know, instead of, uh, I didn't go because I had to work. Yeah. You yeah, fuck that. Yeah. You'll have another job. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a lesson learned, right? It's uh, You never know. So. You never know. Yeah. Angela's checking in. She says, Mark's on. Now I'm in trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, Angela. How are you? Hi, Angela. Thanks for checking in. Or maybe he's yeah. in trouble. Or maybe, or maybe <laughs> you're in trouble. I know. <laughs> I might be in trouble. I'm in trouble from time to time. So. <laughs> Especially being on this show. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, some legendary nights, that's for sure, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I moved here at the right time. You know, things were yeah. things were starting to come back up, and there was a lot of people, you know, uh, at that time and still today uh, that were interested in reviving the music scene or reviving the the nightlife or reviving the shopping or reviving the business and small business and entrepreneurship. And, you know, that was, I think, a time when, <clears throat> you know, the entrepreneurship that we see today was really just starting to kick off yeah. more more so than ever, right? Or, or more so than in the history that I can remember anyway. And, mm-hmm. excuse me, so it was, it was just the perfect time to watch the area kind of, you know, come back to life and, and feel uh, sure of itself again. And, and then, you know, watch people our age kind of move out, move back, start things, try things, you know, and, and it's been, it's been great, you know, and, and then too, I mean, this is, I, I love living here. I love the, the time I've spent here, you know, it's like, um, you look around and I remember one time when I was first living in this area, I was out in Cali visiting some friends. We went to this house party and, 
this uh, dude at the house party was from this area. Oh, he yeah. was like throwing the party and he's like asking me what my deal is. And I tell him, oh, yeah, I live in Utica. He's like, oh, the blah, blah, blah. He had like something to say about that. And uh, and I was like, really? I looked around. I go, how much is this house? He's like, oh, this house is six hundred thousand dollars. I go, you've got bars on your windows, dude. I don't even lock my door. Like, that's the difference yeah. right. for me. You know what I mean? And it's always been that as a huge reason for living here and, and existing here in this area is that, you know, it's safe. It's friendly. Winter sucks. Let's not yeah. bullshit about that. The winter sucks. But there is so much positive, you know, like you can afford to buy a house here still. There's yeah. so many areas of the country. Look at San Francisco. You know, look at look at any of these areas that are just, you know, booming and, and exploding at the seams, you know, and so. I think there's just a ton. I, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling very nostalgic, you know, because I'm on my way out right now. Uh -huh. um, and, and so I've been kind of uh, dwelling on this stuff a lot lately that, you know, it's just been so good to me here, you know. Well, you're We're, moving out to Colorado. Yeah. Well, one of the things I uh, like most about this area, too, is you can do a background check on somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I lived in Florida. Without no, using Google? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you get the Just real story. The, the you know, friend like, network? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, you know oh, you know, you know yeah. Tony? Oh, yeah. I know Tony. I grew up with Tony. He yeah. peed his pants in third grade. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know that stuff. <laughs> and, you know, like, when you go down to Florida, like, where I moved to, mm -hmm. uh, everybody is a transient. They're from somewhere else. And so there's no background in anybody. There's no history. There's no... Um, like tradition mm -hmm. and when you come back to utica there's you got your utica traditions you got the you know oskinitz have been there forever you know you got these landmarks that have always been here that you it always makes you feel like home and there's people here that like you've known since you were in elementary school you know you played playing in sandbox with them then you played uh you know high school basketball with them or whatever you know what i mean so you always have that that reference and that's one thing that i liked you know coming back to utica yeah absolutely yeah, no, it's a great area. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's home. Yeah. <laughs> it's home. Now, talk about your move out to Colorado. You're, let's also yeah. talk about your job and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Sure, that you're absolutely. getting uh, transferred. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, so transferred? I'm basically being transferred. Um, so I've been with the company Urban Grow uh, that's out in Colorado. They're in Lafayette, Colorado. I've been with them a little over two years mm -hmm. and uh, recently took uh, a new position with them in operations. I was in sales. Originally, when I was hired, I was hired to basically help build the, the market out here uh, for their products. So for people who don't know what it is that Urban Grow does or what I do. So we design and engineer and then procure equipment for cannabis cultivation facilities all throughout the U.S., Canada. Now we're in Jamaica, Israel, Australia, a bunch of other you know countries overseas. And, um, you know, we do all the guts of the grow type of stuff, lighting, benching, irrigation systems, control systems, automation, all of that type of stuff. Nutrients to too, any of that? So we're starting to actually get into that, okay. um, mainly because we have a whole integrated pest management division, and that somewhat loosely ties into that as well, right? They, they all tie in, but um, we started to look at that. That's something we're working on right now. It's not released yet to the public. We're still working through formulations and things like that, but a lot of it is in an effort to simplify that process. Um, and make it integrate to the automated systems that we sell a little bit, a little bit easier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for folks. So we're we're definitely you know working on things like that. Um, when you say automated, though, so you have like these apps. Do you have an app that will turn your lights on? Because if it's on like a twelve twelve cycle or something yeah. like that, you could turn like a 
you hit an app, and then yeah. all of a sudden the lights go on. Right. And, and now there's tracks, and there's movable lights, too, for cultivating cannabis. And yeah, uh, there's so some really, really cool things in technology. It has definitely grown so much with growing weed. Oh, marijuana. yeah. With, yeah, with growing weed. Mm-hmm. With growing, I mean, it, you know, back in the day when, <laughs> when we were growing in you know, tents and basements and, you know, these other areas or whatever, wherever you could find, um, you know, it was kind of the, the technology was rudimentary. Um, you know, it was whatever you get the grow shop and things like that. And now, you know, I say that that sort of it's a cliche term, but the bleeding edge, the, the industry now is at that bleeding edge constantly. And it's like every three months there's something new, there's something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do all of that type of thing where the automating of the lighting and the, the irrigation and the <laughs> delivering fertilizer, to the plants. And, you know, I've even, been working on a project we didn't supply the specific equipment for this but now we're you know building facilities where the plants are moved around the building or moved around the greenhouse using a robot where you know you you stay in one area of the building and then you just program the robot okay today we want to work on the plants that are in bay a1 bring them to me and the robot goes down his track and picks up big trays and sets them on a conveyor belt in the middle of the building and it brings it to you and you do your work whether it's trimming or trellising or treating or spraying or w- whatever it is. And then you hit the button and the robot takes it back to where it's supposed to live. It's crazy. You know? wow. And so, you know, you're cutting down on people walking around, certainly these huge, huge, huge greenhouses. And yeah, because you got to keep it clean. Yeah, keeping it clean yeah. and all that stuff. And so, you know, so that's what we do. And, and um, you know, I've been in sales with them for, like I said, a couple of years now. And as cannabis cultivation facilities, especially out here, out east, uh, just became more sophisticated in terms of how they were getting built, how they were going to be operated, their size, um, the technology that they were putting in, and and then also like the companies they were hiring to design and build, mm-hmm. you know, physically pour concrete or physically put in elect- electrical or do plumbing. Uh, it all just became way more sophisticated. So my job really changed to that of like a project manager for those companies that we were doing business with. And then, you know, the company decided that that was something that was needed across the board and and uh, operations is in colorado so that's why we're that's why we're moving out there now yeah. do you guys strictly do indoor or do you do outdoor grows we work on indoor we work on greenhouses we work on outdoor grows uh we got a couple out in colorado right now that are getting fired up with uh, automated irrigation and and those types of things you know obviously you're not controlling the environment when you're outdoors right um but you know as far as automating the irrigation and doing sensors you know a lot of where we're headed now is is in what they call sense and control where we can plug uh, a sensor into the rock wool or into the pot where the plant is growing and monitor the EC and the pH and the temperature and the um, water quality you know, water content of that media and then send that information back to a computer. And over time, not immediately, but over time, you can start to program in, in, in algorithms and programming that it will allow it to water those plants when they need it rather than on a like a timer or on like a set cycle of days or something like that and so that's really where it's headed and if you look at big agriculture that's where they're all headed right is the ability to uh, do those things so you know one of the cool things that our company did is we actually were approached by a company that developed sensor technology and this communications technology that's called high density they didn't invent high density internet of things but they invented a communications protocol for that and we have since, you know, bought that company and integrated them into Urban Grow, and now we're getting ready. We're doing beta testing right now on these types of sensors, where we can collect data. Say you got a thousand plants in a room, mm-hmm. we can collect data from basically every other plant in the room, 
at a really, really low cost per sensor and then use that data, you know, and the more data points you have, the more relevant that becomes, right, for telling you what's going on and then use that to feed back to, you know, at first the grower to make decisions and then eventually the computer would be able to be programmed to say, okay, the left side of the room, you know, just to keep it simple, the left side of the room is drier than the right side of the room, but neither side is ready to be watered and then start scheduling itself so that when it's ready, it will water just that individual area. Why can't we do this with our food? Well, they are. I mean, you look at, you know, different one of the areas where we see this being employed early stage is um, in in, uh, wine, in the wine industry, grape growing. They're using a lot of sensors and that type of technology to really analyze how their grapes, how how the water is, is coming in, what kind of you know any nutrients, anything like that, any information like that, so that they can really tweak how they're growing. Because how that plant grows has just like cannabis has an immediate and direct correlation to the final product yeah, and, and the, the quality of that the final product, flavor, mm-hmm. and you know I mean, in terms of cannabis, cannabinoid content, terpene content, you know. Wine, grapes, I don't, I don't really know. That's not my wheelhouse, but it's, it's very similar in how if it's too dry, that, that might have a positive or negative effect based on the varietal or strain you know, or phenotype that you're growing. Right. And so that's all being incorporated in. And I, you know, I, I got in with this company at the right time when they were just kind of coming out of their first couple of years <coughs> in business, early stage, and starting to acquire some other technology and other groups and things like that. And they, they picked me up and you know, it's, it's been great. So we're, we're excited to move out there, you know, but uh, um, I mean, if it weren't for that opportunity, you know, I would I would still be living here. Absolutely. Yeah, do, for sure. Now, do they do automated uh, nutrient feeds, too? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- all of that. That's yeah. All so on the, wow. Typically referred to it's typically referred to as fertigation. OK. You know, fertilizer, irrigation, fertigation. Not not really a real word, I've been told, but we all use it pretty, <laughs> pretty loosely. Um, and so basically we've got machines. That are going to suck up different nutrients, okay. right? Nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, like, calcium. Is there like a like a bucket or something? Yeah, so it depends on how big your facility is. I mean, some facilities will take it right out of a, a premix concentrate bucket that okay. might be you know five gallons that it that it was shipped to you in. Other facilities are taking raw elemental salt, right? You know, nutrients and salt form, mixing that with you know warm water to 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 blend it, and then adding that in specific ratios through those machines. And um, you know, we deal with a couple of different companies on that. Uh, but, and there's different ways to do it, right? You can use batch tank systems. You can use direct inline nutrient injection systems. Mm-hmm. You can use kind of a combination of, of those two. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, to approach it. Is it but, on like the irrigation system too? Yeah, exactly. It's all, so, it's yeah, all intertwined with each yeah, other? Yeah, fresh water comes in. Usually uh-huh. we pre-treat that fresh water somehow. Um, a lot of times people are using RO to, to clean up their water these days. Uh, even if it's like city water or, or well water, we tend to find that you know a lot of folks – want to start with a blank palette with cannabis, mainly because of the value of it. You know, most of your greenhouse growers uh, that are growing other types of crops, they if it's potable water, you know, if it's safe to drink, they'll, they'll, they'll give it to the plants without a whole lot of pretreatment. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, in the cannabis industry, when you lose a crop, you lose your job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty well correlated with that. So I think there's a lot of, you know, concern around that. Just the, the fact that you can lose a couple million dollars in crop pretty easily with that plant. And it is just such a high value. So we'll come in, we'll clean the water up, pre-treat it, you know, store it so that we have ample supply just in case something happens, you know, to the incoming supply. Test and then like it goes the P- pH levels and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. we'll go through the machine. The machine does all of that, you know, depending on which version of that, you know, we're going to use. Uh-huh. And then we've got different sensors and, and all kinds of things we employ. And then one of the cool things we're doing now a lot is taking all the wastewater and cleaning that up. 
Oh, cool. So, you know, anybody that's ever, you know, done a done a cultivation of cannabis before, you know, they probably are familiar with the fact that they're going to flush at the end. That's pretty typical, you know, to flush at the end, um, you know, clean water flush. That water is going down the drain as leachate. You know, usually if you're growing, especially if you're growing in something like rock wool, which is where everybody's headed these days, or not everybody, but a lot of people are, you're going to have leachate on just about, you know, 70 60 70 percent of your irrigation cycles throughout the day there's going to be some leachate that has to go somewhere so we're taking all of that recapturing it cleaning it scrubbing it sending it back in as fresh water and then the other really cool thing is we're doing the same with the condensate that comes off the hvac systems really so yeah so the the plant is only going to retain like three to five percent of the water you give it so the rest of that is either going down the drain in leachate as but, it bleeds off or it's going up into your HVAC system and out of condensate so we can recapture and reuse that. But in the HVAC system, there's usually some sort of like air conditioning fluid in there or something like that. Is it right? The, there's there's not that. I mean, it's just hitting the coils and, and condensing and then hitting a pan and then going through tubing or piping, you know, back to wherever it's headed. And it filters right back through. But then we send it through a pretty sophisticated filtration process because the thing is, is that the condensate is probably the dirtiest water in the facility. Okay. You got to figure every time somebody coughs sneezes itches their scalp and the dandruff comes off i mean you know all those types of the touches things you know that can all potentially end up airborne and end up back through that that system so we do through put it through a rigorous you know cleaning process but the cool thing is there's really no discharge so there's whatever we're capturing off those units your dehum units and and your hvac units we can reuse that and and so in areas like california where they have, you know, major water constraints, major issues around water um, in areas like Massachusetts, where they're just simply saying, hey, we don't want that stuff going down the drain, guys. You got to do something else with it. Uh, we're we're doing a lot of those systems and it's it's super exciting. It's really Plus you cool. get all that airborne stuff out of the, the systems, too. You're not like blowing around the room again still going through the air conditioners and stuff like that yeah yeah and just you know that's the other thing too is we do a little bit with that type of thing we've got some cool systems that do hydrogen peroxide generation to help keep things clean and sterile for like those types of systems and uh yeah we're we're in a little bit of everything but i always say we're in the guts of the grow uh-huh. you know if it isn't inside the box we don't do it we don't put a roof on we're not gonna sell you a steel building uh <laughs> you know we're not gonna put uh you know the lights in the parking lot that type of thing uh, so that's that's always where I kind of draw the line, right? Is that we you know, we know what we know, and we're really good at the stuff that has to do with cultivating and growing, um, and that's what we do. So, but we, you're the project manager. So, <laughs> yeah, I am. I am the project manager, but only for the stuff we do. I try to steer right. clear of the other stuff, you what, know. But what are the more common things that could make a crop go bad? You know that you're noticing. Uh, pests, pests are the big one. Yeah, um, spider you know, mites. Yeah, spider mites. Uh, you know, root aphids. Uh, thrips powdery mildew is another one that we see a lot of just powdery mildew like crazy you know um got to figure like in an area like this right it's walked out of the house an hour ago it was 77 and like 98 percent humidity and then it starts pouring drops to 70 right so the dew point's changing really rapidly uh and then you know the uh the you know it's super humid um and those types of things those humidity issues can really lend themselves to pm powdery mildew um, there's, you know, really strict testing protocol in, in a number of states. Massachusetts is one of them. Nevada is another one. Those are probably the two strictest as far as f- testing of, f- of flour and extract and final mm-hmm. product. So that's where we see people get through a full crop, get it out there, go to testing, and it, it fails testing. Right. And so then, you know, they have to retest. But if they retest it as flour and it's cured even longer, chances are it's just going to retest hot again. So then they end up blowing it out to extract. But... You know, there's still in most states, it's still like 
70 80 percent flour being sold on the market where they allow flour like new york state they don't allow right. flour mm -hmm. you know they, it's only extract it's so only you know if you've got really nice looking butter on and all of a sudden you got to blow it out to oil it's heartbreaking you know so you know we see a lot of issues with that we see a lot of issues i'll tell you one that i see all the time are people value engineering these facilities you know the old school was it was kind of like how we did Aquavita, in, in all honesty. You know, we, we took a building. We said, okay, this is a building. This is an empty warehouse, you know, with nothing inside of it. And we're going to strap as much HVAC as we think we're going to need to it, right? And then when we found out we needed more, we just start strapping it in wherever we could pu basically punch through the wall to strap more in. Lights, we're just going to run with the lights we think are best. And, and you know, there wasn't, a you know, as much, you know, understanding as there is even today, right, even a few years later as to how to really properly calibrate things, how to give, you know, in an indoor controlled environment, ag environment, how to really tune that in and, and what kind of equipment to use. So there was a lot of just like, you know, layers. We added this, okay, that didn't quite work. So we're gonna add some more. Okay, that screwed something up. We're gonna change it and add some more. And then, um, you know, now it's just, uh, you know, people will get into these facilities thinking that it's gonna cost them $5 million to build a 25,000 square foot grow in the Northeast. And the reality is, is it's probably more than double that. Right. And so then they start trying to value engineer things. And so that's where you see a lot of failures. John checking and says, Does, do West Uticans count as pests for your crops and how do you get rid of them? Oh, yeah. uh, you give them a UC. <laughs> yeah. Either, either give it to them uh, opened or if they're really nasty, just dump it on them. And they're, and they're, they're good. They just, they just calm right down. They don't go away. They, oh, they never really, no, they go never away. go away, especially once you give them the UC. <laughs> he also says, going back to uh, not missing out on opportunities, he walked out of his valet job at the Golden Nugget in Vegas when they made him work on New Year's Eve, and he woke up the next morning on a porch with no shoes, no job, no memory, so no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks for checking in, Cuz. Good nice. to hear from you. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, you, Mark, you got some really cool things. I love how the whole technology – now the computers are pretty much growing your wheat nowadays. Yeah, yeah we're not That's, there yet. We're, we're not there but yet. Pretty we're, much. Yeah, you're pretty I mean, close. You still really need somebody that can, can read the plant and, and mm -hmm. knows what's going on and, you know, gets uh, how things can turn on a dime on you, you know, and, and, and can be out in the garden, mm -hmm. you know, now, really inspecting things. These people that are growing um, – becoming new growers are they more like big companies growing you know buying land and growing or is it like you know like people who used to run farms and now are repurposing their farms to grow weed we're, we're not seeing a lot of that i mean what we are seeing is a lot of big money come in mm -hmm. uh, there's there's no doubt i mean you know the northeast was really um i think one of the first areas where we saw just a hard switch to you know big money large you know investor pools or investment groups coming in basically just because of how much it costs to play you know, you figure that in some of these competitive bid states, you spend a million, two million bucks just to try and win a license. That's before you've even won a damn thing, you know. And so the <laughs> the money then it takes to build the facility and, and sustain while you're really not making money. I mean, that's one of the other things. A lot of people think, you know, you're going to turn on the lights and the, you Boom, know, the next yeah. day you're just rolling in the dough. And it, it's just not the case. You know, right. the overhead to run these facilities is just staggering. Can imagine. And then if it takes, you know, like New York again, I mean took you know forever to get a decent decent patient count because of the way the law was written it's so restrictive so you know if there's no ultimately you know patients in a fully medical state are, are your customers or your clientele if they're not there and they're not available to buy your product doesn't matter how good it is doesn't matter how much you grow doesn't matter how efficient you are if you can't sell what you're growing or if you can't sell what you built yourself to be able to grow you're you know you're sol so um it does take a lot of money and we are seeing that i have talked to a number of people in states where 
they have greenhouses and they have, you know, those types of things already available to them where they're growing other crops and they are looking to switch over. Um, and then we have seen, you know, where some of the big names in the greenhouse industry have started to get in, you know, but not to repurpose facilities, but to build brand new facilities. As, as the other question I was going to ask, like people growing other crops, have they looked into your company or the way you guys do things for um, to adapt to that style? You know, yeah. I mean? like more of the robots and stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've 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 definitely talked to other companies that are, you know, growing lettuce, growing, you know, food crop and, and things like that. Um, and there's a lot of companies out there that service those type of, of greenhouses specifically. Um, and, you know, definitely like our sensor technology and those things that are getting ready to come out later this year, that stuff is really aimed at anybody, anybody cultivating, you know, can be able to afford that. You know, on the other side, you do have uh, where there are those companies that are really specific to lettuce, like we are to cannabis and really specific to, you know, vining and fruiting flowering crop like tomatoes, um, like we are to cannabis. So, you know, we don't tend to play in that space as much. And realistically, we're just we're so friggin busy mm -hmm. uh, with what we got going on now. And especially now at Canada is just nuts. Uh, the cannabis market in Canada is just nuts. The biggest grows in the world are getting built up there, uh, you know, <laughs> as we speak uh, and, and coming online as we speak. And they're just they're monsters. They're just they're they're as big as I've ever seen a greenhouse. Wow. Um, and uh, how big? You know, I mean, I think there's, acres? there's one. Yeah. That all oh, multiple acres. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, one up there right now. I don't happen to work with this particular company, but uh, I think they're working on like, you know, 20, 20 some odd acre facility that wow. they're bringing on in stages. You know, so they'll, wow. they'll build out portion of it, bring it online, build the next one, bring it online. And just they're just end to end together. Uh, they're just massive. Do um, any of these facilities run on solar? So not so much. I mean, we definitely see where, you know, obviously with the greenhouse, the benefit is is the light. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to being indoors. And you've got no light. You get these artificial lights. You know, with the solar, we just haven't really seen any massive. I haven't personally not saying they're not out there. I mean, mm -hmm. I haven't seen every single cannabis grow in the world, but um we're just not seeing it as much and the way it's been explained to me and i don't totally comprehend it is that it would just take such a massive solar array to provide that amount of power that it just doesn't kind of work right now um but i would imagine that as you know companies in our industry are looking to be you know more responsible around power consumption more responsible on water and, and other resources that they are definitely looking at those things and, and trying to figure out how to incorporate them. Or what about you know? windmill technology? Yeah, I don't know if we could strap a giant windmill. I think that windmill would have to be friggin' huge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of these talk a lot of power when you're burning a thousand lights. Well, when you're you talking, know? I was just saying <laughs> thousand lights. I was thinking so, when I you're mean, talking like twenty acres of land. I mean, they must have land or money for something like that would be kind of a cool idea but yeah absolutely i mean it's uh you know it's 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 all that stuff is finding its way in you know mm -hmm. what i mean i mean anytime you go to like mj bizcon which is the big show in vegas every year in november uh anytime you go to any of the other you know smaller but still really valuable cannabis you know specific shows uh NECAN that they have in boston every year and you know some of the other ones uh ncia that they do across the country you know you definitely see like people with solar and and wind and and these types of things uh, coming in and being able to, you know, offer what they have, you know, and I mean, it's crazy because like the, the house we just bought in Colorado, every house in that neighborhood has solar, you know, and, and it's like something that I never would had even thought of before. And I was when I was checking out the house, you know, it was like, oh, that's cool. There's, you know, solar panels. And then there's like a little box in the basement that tells you how much it's producing, yep. how much it's how much it's produced total, you know, all that kind of thing. And I'm yep. thinking like, I'm gonna be checking this thing every day. You know, until, until I get, until I get it figured out, I'm be checking this thing every day yeah. just to just to see what what these things are up to. But uh, but yeah, I mean, all that stuff is is part of it. And you know, there's a lot of people who think that in 
you know, the next few years as it matures, particularly, you know, if it was to go federally legal across the board in the states uh, that, you know, you'll see just huge companies, right, come in uh, the, the big, you know, it's always the, the fear, right? The big tobacco companies, the big mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies, whoever, you know, big alcohol will come in and set up mega grows and just dominate, you know, and, and put all the mom and pops out. Um, and, you know, that's always a, you know, a, definitely a concern. Um, but, you know, as it just they get larger by their very nature, we're going to see, you know, a push towards more efficiency, you know. And then you look at Massachusetts. This is, they're a good example. They just put like a 35 watt per square foot limit on canopy, which. What's tip- that mean? So 35 watts a square foot. You figure a typical double ended HPS metal, or a double ended HPS lamp that you're using. Most people are using these Sweet. days to grow flour under. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be about 50 watts a square foot in your canopy with that so you're more than what they're going to allow they capped them at 35 so a lot of those companies are having to go to led is it technology. mostly led now have they all made the switch or is no, it all it's all no. bulb, a I, lot of bulbs still I, it's still a lot of bulbs yeah. um you know the the thing is is that led up front is is pretty expensive still and yeah. um you know that's a hard one to 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 pick off when you're already spending you know $2 million on the property and $2 million on the HVAC and this here and that there. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, do I want to, you know, a million dollar light, you know, light bill up front or do I want to spend, you know, a, a third of that or a quarter of that? By the time they the blow, the lights might be down cheaper. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's the that's the thing is that they're definitely coming down, coming down. There's some great products on the market. We sell some great LED products, um, you know, and I think they're right for the right person, you mm-hmm. know, the right the right grow or the right you know thing. The ones up in Canada primarily that we're working with are all, all LED. Wow. You know, and they're definitely I think it also has to do with like, what's your mentality? Are you going to be in this building for the next 25 years as a company? Right. As a dominant company in this industry for you know the rest of time or, or whatever. Or are you looking at it going, well, we built this first one, you know, this small one in this new market. We might be here four or five years and then we're going to move to another building. So maybe we won't spend on, you know, the super elaborate technology. Now we're going to do that in round two. So there's a lot of considerations that go into it. And then in the States, it's just state by state. Yeah. You know, yeah. But now with an LED bulb, though, it's much less in power, right? Um, It's it's, it's not. I wouldn't say it's much less in power. You know, there's definitely less. uh, There's definitely less consumption, theoretically, for the amount of light that it puts out. Um, and therefore it creates less heat because you know, heat. a watt is a watt to cool. So if you're using less wattage to create the same amount of light, you're, you're generating less heat, less cooling capacity, stuff like that. So there's definitely some benefits. I think the really cool benefits of it that people are just now starting to figure out, and of course, there's been no testing really done on it yet, but changing light spectrum definitely has an impact on the quality of the flower, right? So cannabinoid and terpene ratios can be adjusted or manipulated from light spectrum based on what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so as people are starting to figure that out, I work with this one grower who is working with an LED company to get um, like 20 lights built for him that are his own custom spectrum that he thinks he's kind of figured out is the, the you know, the cat's meow for growing the way he wants to grow. And so I think that's what's going to be really interesting, you mm-hmm. know, especially as people move more towards like extracts and things like that. You know, that has a huge impact on that, you know, and just the quality of the quality of the medicine. I mean, when the when you're looking at it, you know, for pain, you know, high THC content is is shown or, or anecdotally understood to to be effective for pain. Right. And so if you can increase the THC content of the final product without increasing what it costs you to make that final product, you could deliver medicine to people at same or lower cost. That's more effective. 
huh. right? So they take less of it, use less of it, cost them less as a patient, you know? And so I think that's a really exciting stuff that I love that I'm, you know, involved with, you know, with our company and with our, our partners and, you know, who supply equipment to us and growers is trying to figure that stuff out. You know, basically, how do you grow high quality, potent, safe medicine for the lowest, lowest possible cost, po you know, possible? Uh, and then distribute that, you know, and that increases access and everything. So that's the that's the kind of stuff that I think is really cool, you know, about where it's headed. No, you know? let me ask you, where do you think is the next? What do you think the next state is that's gonna, you know, allow marijuana? Uh, so I think it's on the ballot in Utah, of all places. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm really shocked by that yeah, one. Now. Yeah, well, I think it's on the ballot. In they Utah. like to make money out there, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know <laughs> I I think that when you know when states take a look around, uh, I mean even. We've heard Cuomo uh, come out and say, well, you know, it's about to be legal in Massachusetts. Uh, you know, recreational is about to be legal in Massachusetts starting, I believe, July 1 uh, is the is the official date that it starts out is there. Is Maine legal, too? Maine is, but the governor has been um, dragging his feet. Ro yeah, roadblocking. Oh, what about one. Vermont? Uh, Vermont out there? The Vermont, it's a it's a weird one. So I don't believe that the commercial facilities in Vermont are allowed to sell adult use or, you know, or recreational, as they call it. But as an individual living in Vermont, you can grow like four plants and consume it how you how you see fit. I think that's how it ended that's up shaking out. So New York's gonna be like that cock block state. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like I don't know if they are. I mean, it sounded like you know Cuomo, who was very anti. I mean, I mean back when back when I you know first got involved in sort of watching the legislation in New York, you know, a number of years ago, he was just adamant like this is not gonna happen. This I'm not for this. You know, I do not support this. And then, you know, the position has shifted uh, over time. And I think that when leadership, you know, particularly those that have these old, you know, views that, that have proven for a lot of us to be completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. When they look around and go, oh, the sky is not falling in Massachusetts. Oh, the children are OK. Right. That's the one we always hear. Right. What about the children? Nobody's right? jumping like, out the windows yeah, and the whole reefer madness yeah, mentality. No reefer madness, yeah. You know what I mean? And so they and then they go, oh, and there's some tax revenue here. And oh, it's job creation. And, you know, because these facilities need a lot of people. Oh, still, yeah. Even with automation and things we do, they need a ton of people. They employ a ton of people. They pay they pay very good wages. Um, so, you know, they take a look around and realize, OK, maybe I should maybe I should look at this. And so, you know, I think. We'll see that happen in New York, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Uh, I know that there's oh – God, we were just talking about this in a meeting the other day, what states are, are about to come online. But there's a, a handful of them that have laws pending, mm -hmm. you know, and, and mm -hmm. Utah is just the one that, that jumps out for me right at the moment. But I know there's a couple other, I think, Midwestern, I think Kansas. Oh, really? Kansas has a, has a law pending. It might I think, like, be, Kentucky, too. Like, didn't, aren't they – I don't big know. Big into growing down yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know if they. I don't know if they have a, a law or not. I mean, you know, the reality is they're big into growing everywhere. I mean, everywhere mm -hmm. I've been, there's there's someone growing a plant or two. You know, um, you know whether it's outdoor. Uh, you know, we used to have the old Adirondack gold up there. You know, <laughs> very short growing season that exists up there, and that was the uh, that was the first time. You know, I remember being up there. It was the first time I ever saw a bud turn purple. You know, and and the, the you know. They basically like a lot of the growers up there would say, well, you know, you got to let it get through that first frost, mm -hmm. that first cold snap, not necessarily a frost to get that good flavor and that good color on it and stuff. And they try to wait it out, you know, as long as they could, you know, and things like that. You know, all that old school. Uh, <laughs> that was their technique, like, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and everybody, every grower has if they've been growing for a while, they all have something that they attribute success to. You know, uh, I mean, we've got folks that are like 
you know, uh, self-taught growers that are like, you know, I put molasses in my yeah, in my uh, fertilizer, right? And then you've got folks that are, you know, guys and gals that have been to horticultural school, you know, wherever, and they're like, that's that's baloney. Like that that doesn't make any sense at all. That's you don't need that. You know, plants need this, and that's it, and that's what science tells me. And you know, we're always kind of in the middle of that. You know, uh, we've got folks that they're that, like the Italian cooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they don't follow the recipe. Yeah, put yeah. a little bit of this, a little bit right. of that. Is and it a pinch or a punch? Way? Yeah, you've been doing it that way for however many years. Yeah, you've that been works. successful. And I always say, hey, just you know, you do whatever you want. We'll build to your specifications. We'll design to that. And uh, you know, I learn something new every day. You know, from these guys. So it's cool. I want to go back to Urban Grow. Do you guys make extract extract equipment? Right? So we don't. No, we don't for get into oils that. or any no, of that. No, we don't get into that. There's lots of companies that that are doing that that make great equipment. Um, we, you know, we certainly know all of those companies and run into them. We were all running the same circles yeah. and tend to run into each other at facilities during commissioning and getting those up and running and set up. But no, we don't, uh, we don't sell that, but that's fascinating. Strictly stuff. grow with you guys. Though. Strictly, strictly grow. Okay. But that, that is fascinating stuff. I mean, I'm definitely, I nerd out when I'm in a new facility mm-hmm. on their extract lab to see all the like, you know, shiny metal and bells and whistles and beakers and, you know, roto evaps and, and things that they're doing in there and talk to their whoever they've got, you know, enlisted to run their extract program because, you know, it's a science and it's an art at the same time. And the things are starting to figure out where they can do multi-stage runs of product through these systems so that they can extract specific terpenes and, and specific, you know, cannabinoids at different levels. And whereas I think when they first started using, especially like the, the high pressure CO2 machines, they were just blowing it through and they were losing a lot of lesser cannabinoids and terpenes. And, you know, if you look at the, the what they call the entourage effect of cannabis, if you've got, you know, a situation where you've got something that's super high in THC, like a final distillate or a final extract that's super high in THC and all of the CBD content that was in that original product has been destroyed through the process you can definitely experience some negative side effects of THC, you know, and there's, there's definitely known negative side effects. One of which anyone who's ever consumed the product is familiar with is paranoia, Mm -hmm. you know? And so one of the things that, that I've read about, and again, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I just love to kind of study this stuff and, and know about it is, you know, the, those that are studying are saying, well, you know, one effect of CBD is, is calming. And, uh, you know, that's counter effects that THC, uh, negativity, you know? So if you, if you have a, a, Blue Dream. Blue Dream is flower that's, you know, popular with the kids these days. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody knows that. So I just pick it as a name that people know. So, you know, if you've got a strain of Blue Dream or, or you know, a phenotype of Blue Dream and it's, you know, coming out at 22% THC and 1.2% CBD and you run that through a machine and you come out the other end with extract that's got, you know, three times now this THC and zero CBD because it blew off during the process, you could encounter you know, potentially, I think, I think negative side effects with that or just simply not the desired outcome. You, you know, you just answered so many questions for me. Just right <laughs> now. <laughs> you did, because there's sometimes when I'll take the oil and I'll just be like jittery and, and freaking out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like flour over over oils. And extract. I do, too, because you also you got the terpenes. In I'm there, old right? school, too. You got terpenes, you got limeline, you got, you got pinene, you've got, uh, you know, this this whole, uh, you know, entourage, as they call it, of terpenes <clears throat> that, you know, are what you smell. Right. You don't smell THC, you don't smell CBD, you don't smell CBN and the cannabinoids. But you're smelling the terpenes, right? That's the thing. You open a jar, open a bag, and you're like, that smells like, you know, diesel, lemon, and, you know, blue cheese or whatever it is you're picking up, right? And, uh, you know, those have an effect as well. So that 
that kind of worries me is when we get into like Frankenweed where, you know, we're taking, you know, oh, we got some of this leftover nug that really isn't sellable because it's popcorn nug. It looks like shit. We're going to run that through a batch and, you know, we'll test that. And then, you know, we've got some trim over here and we'll run that through a batch. And, you know, we need to get to a certain level to fill all the vials. So we'll just mix them together. Right. Because then you don't really know what you're getting. Right. You know, and, and there's all these times that, you know, I'll talk to guys and they're just like, they don't know what they're consuming, right? And so that's where I think having a really well-regulated program is really critical. Things are being tested. Things are being, you know, uh, tested not only for, for purity, you know, in terms of is there, you know, residual pesticides in there? Is there residual, uh, you know, powdery mildew or other things that shouldn't be in there? Uh, and also just, you know, uh, potency, you know, is it is it uh, a 60% THC pen or is it a 90% THC pen? Because your experience with that is going to vary widely. Yeah. You know? Plus your uh, indica sativa balance too, like because certain strands and you know have different effects on people. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's what's reported, right? And it, the the thing is, is that all of that's anecdotal. Like there's just no, to my knowledge, uh, hard proof of that. Basically because it's federally legal and they they can't study it in the states. You know, and the studies that are going on are very early stage. Uh, more about like efficacy with PTSD or efficacy with with um you know uh nausea for cancer treatment anxiety, anxiety and things like that not so much about you know okay we've got this strain that's an, a known indica and we've got this strain that's a known sativa and the thing is is that there's so much crossbreeding there's so much you know where people are, are breeding their own strains and there's a huge industry or portion of the industry i don't know if i call it huge but there's a portion of the industry around creating new phenotypes and around creating new genetics and, you know, so you get all these crossbreeds and then, the, you know, is it really, truly an indica anymore? Really, truly a sativa? Hard to say. There is a group out in Oregon. I think it's in Oregon. I think they're called Phylos, Bioscience. Um, and they're doing this really cool thing where they are testing strains and then they're creating, uh, I think you can look it up online, the, the, the universe. And it shows where everything that they're testing falls in relationship to what it's supposed to be. Oh. So a lot of times people say, oh, this is you know, this is OG Kush, right? And, and you, they get it in and they test it and they're like, nope, no, it's not. Wow. In fact, it's something completely different. It's actually this. And how they you test know? it? Uh, the, you know, th with science. Yeah. With they, science. They it's smoke it. Like, <laughs> they, they, they smoke a little bit. Not like iodine like, yeah. or something. No, I don't know. I don't know how they test it. You know, they're, they're, they are testing test it, it on, a, yeah, paper. <laughs> on a molecular level, I guess. And, Hand it over here. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see what apart. I can do. Yeah. And then pumping the data into a big machine. Sure. Wow. Yeah fascinating though. yeah so it's it's cool I how mean, many strains you think are out there right now thousands thousands thousands, thousands. it's hard to even keep yeah. track they're coming up with new ones yeah. all, all the time yeah. and then you always got that one guy that just makes up his own name oh this is a right. orange orangutan yeah mm -hmm. you're like what the fuck no it ain't like, yeah exactly and that's the thing is that right now there's no you know and then you've got states where instead of uh instead of being able to call it by whatever name that strain was given by whoever cultivated that or or developed that that particular strain Instead of using that, they, they're using things like, you know, blue and gold and red and, you know, or mood and happy and sad or whatever to describe it and, mm -hmm. and almost go down that road of like, you know, this is more acceptable pharmaceutically or whatever. And I think that's kind of bullshit. And everything has a cush. Uh, well, know, everything's yeah. a cush now. <laughs> and sour or whatever. Yeah. Do you use Leafly? Um, I used to use Leafly a lot when I was involved with, um, you know, like licensing and going for licenses and... Um, you know, was working on some projects with some other groups uh, before I went with Urban Grow, where we were writing information for inclusion into license application, uh, discussing strains and discussing, 
different things that would be grown in those uh, facilities if they got licensed. So I used to use it a lot for that. I think it's a great website. Yeah, and, it you is. know, it's definitely uh, definitely got some cool branding to it and very easy to use and navigate. But even that is really interesting. You'll go on there and say that, you know, orange orangutan is on there. Right. And you find orange orangutan and you're like, oh, I want to get some some of that. And, you know, let's see what people had to say about it. The first person is like, you know, I love orange orangutan. I you know, used orange orangutan every day before my marathon, and I've never gotten <laughs> such great times in running marathons. And then the next person is like, orange orangutan makes me tired. You know, and it, they're just polar opposites, right? Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at, like, the studies that are being done coming out of Israel, you know, the, that's especially where some of the stuff I've read has come from, is what they're saying is that with the, the human endocannabinoid system, that we're going to react differently, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's to, different. To the cannabinoids and terpenes that are found in, in whatever product that is. And so, you know, what might make you happy might make me sad. And what might make me, you know, excited might make me mellow. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to just say blankly, this does this, I think is, is a complete misnomer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Other than some of the side effects, though. Have you noticed? Munchies. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems to be a fairly common side effect. Uh, That's you know. Munchies, that. munchies and, and bad TV. <laughs> and, and cotton mouth. Yeah, yeah, this is true. And cotton Although mouth. I noticed some give me worse cotton mouth than others. Really? Yeah, sometimes I'll be, you know, you're good, and other times it's just like you're sucking on sandpaper. It, it, I don't know if it's a strain or what, but, like, some strains, like, really dry out your mouth. So again, I mean, they're all going to have different effects, right? right. And, and then own. different, different, different uh, potencies, right? That are all going to have different, different mm -hmm. effects for you. So I mean, I think the thing is too, like I'm somewhat convinced that if, if you look at a mature market like Colorado, California, you know, where they can sell flowers or whatever, um, the name of the game with the dispensary seems to be to constantly have, you know, a rotation of different strains and whatever. And that's why a lot of facilities out there are growing or you know mothering just you know hundreds of strains you know they're just crazy with the amount of different strains that they're growing in their facilities so that they can keep up with that and the demand of their their customers i think personally it's because the receptors get full right and and so you know if you've if you've been you know smoking or, or vaping or using whatever product for some specific you know amount of time that's unique to you eventually you're just going to get full and the receptors won't accept anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go to something that just switches it up for you. you know? It's like it's sometimes like, when you smoke dirt weed, you so you smoke good weed and you smoke dirt weed, then it's like, wow, holy shit, that really fucked me up. I, I haven't even I haven't even seen a bag of dirt weed since, I know, uh, it's since Orlando <laughs> 98. That was the last time. Did uh, you have to like knock a, three times, a, then no, two ice? It was, definitely, it was definitely in a park. Definitely in a park. Uh, <laughs> I just remember a yellow slide. Bad memories. Let's, let's move on. Little dime bag slides <laughs> under yeah, the door. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. That's hilarious. Uh, have it with seeds and stems. <laughs> <laughs> now, with Urban Grow, it, do you have like stores throughout the United States, or is it just nope. an online business? No, we go we go direct to we go direct to our customers. So we you. go we go direct to commercial growers. Um, you know, we've got a sales team all over the country. So it's just commercial out. grows. You're not going to supply Joe Schmo from South Street. No, we okay. don't. You know, I mean, Joe's a good guy. Yeah. You know, again, no well, problem with Joe. You, know, you don't know Joe right. that well, no, do you? He's good. There's a whole <laughs> Schmo family, good people. So. <laughs> The uh, you know, we do commercial scale. So, you know, we're looking at facilities that are anywhere from 5000 square feet of canopy to 200000 square feet of canopy or mm. kind of where we play. Um, the average right now is probably in that like 20000 ish square foot of canopy. Wow. Range. Uh, so, you know, plants, you know, plants on, under light. It's a big facility. Uh, or in a greenhouse, you know, and that, that uh, yeah, those are big facilities. Those are, you know, your jaw definitely drops the first couple of times you walk into uh, a place like that that you know walk into a room that's in full flower that's 2500 square feet yeah you know packed from wall to wall must smell yeah. wonderful oh it smells great <laughs> <laughs> for me it's like walking into the holy grail here all of a sudden you'll hear oh 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was actually I was actually at a facility one time real early when I first got involved uh, with this side of the industry and was there and they had it set up. It was a real old built facility, you know, uh, had a lot of problems, but it was kind of they had these huge double sliding doors in between the veg side of the building and the flowering side of the building. And when we went to go over there, the guy like pulled a, a wire and they had the music blaring on the other side and the doors opened up real dramatically. Was and it the Pink light Floyd? Came on and it might have been. Yeah, it might have been dark side. <laughs> and uh, it was, I was I had that same experience where I was just like, holy shit, what is going on in this joint? You know, it was like the biggest grow I'd ever seen at that time. Do some and, facilities uh, play music? Oh, yeah. Talk, yeah. Because yeah, it's facility, supposed to be good for the like, plants. Yeah. You know, I, and the workers. Uh -huh. I mean, when, yeah, you're in there, when you're in there for hours laboring, I mean, that's the thing that as much as, you know, people get caught up in like the value of the product or the sophistication of the facilities or automation or robots or whatever you want to get involved with when it comes right down to it, it's farming and it's hard work and it's labor yeah, and it's, right. it's dirty and it's, it's, uh, you know, disappointing at times. And it's, it's, you know, every day going in and wanting to love, loving what you do. You mm -hmm. know, I give a lot of credit to the people that are, that are doing it, not only for that, but for food crops and for, you know, everything. I mean, that's where I started was, you know, trying to do controlled environment ag with, with lettuce and basil and, and things like that here locally. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's always hard. It's always work. It's always a lot of labor. So, you know, um, that's the thing that I think a lot of people getting involved with it don't recognize is you're going to have to get dirt under your nails. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care how clean your facility is. Yeah, this is farming, like you said. <clears throat> it's farming. Yep. Yeah, Buddy farming. Jay's checking. He said, uh, are you hiring? I'm a quick learner. Uh, which is a good point. I mean, like, that's an aspect a lot of people don't think about, like, the hiring aspect, putting a lot of people back to work, a lot of farmers back to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's putting a lot of people back to work. I mean, you look at even, like, just out in, like, Colorado, and, and it, ha it doesn't just have to do with the cannabis industry. I mean, the, in the economy out there is booming for a lot of reasons. But, <clears throat> you know, when you've got dispensaries that are, are willing to hire, you know, new employees for 12 to 15 an hour to start out as a bud tender in their dispensaries, that immediately makes it so the McDonald's has to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is, I think, an amazing ripple effect mm -hmm. is that the minute that this this industry is kind of going into a marketplace and saying, hey, we value you being a really high quality employee. We value you being honest. We value you being here on time. We value you taking care of our, our patients or our customers. We're going to pay you a, a more reasonable wage than what you may see out there. Everyone else has to rise to that level or they won't have employees. You know, it's like every you look at around out there, like every McDonald's has a big help wanted sign out, you know, all the time because they just can't get employees. You know, they're running like something absurd, like two and a half percent unemployment rate out there right now. So, you know, I mean, definitely, you know, with Urban Grow, I mean, Urban Grow, Urban-Grow.com. That's the website. You know, all the information's on there as far as, you know, jobs and postings and things like that. Um, they're they're definitely or we, I should say, are definitely you know, not always perpetually hiring, but we we're definitely growing pretty rapidly. When I started with the company two and a half years ago, um, I want to say there was like 15 employees and now there's 50. Wow. You oh. know, so it's it's just blown up. I mean, urban you know, growth, urban growth. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just blown up. And, uh, you know, but the whole industry has, you know, all around us. Sharky's checking in. Is calling you Doctor Green Thumb. Doctor Green Thumb. Yeah, <laughs> my man. Yeah, Mark Shark. Hey, speaking of Doctor Green Thumb, are you paying attention to anything? Be real from Cypress Hill is doing right now. So I be mean, real I'm, TV. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to the music that those guys are doing. Yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, I was a huge, I mean, a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. So when they kind of reincarnated that, uh, that you know, Prophets of Rage. I wish as Prophets. Yeah, I wish that uh, I wish that they had uh, Zach with them. You know, obviously, but. Uh, must have uh, not when been down to, you got to Chuck, do the reincarnation. Chuck D and uh, Chuck D, yeah. Be Real. I yeah. mean, you can't 
No slouches there, yeah, though. No, well, what, actually, did you see, just to sidebar a little bit, Yeah. Go did you see, right before I came over here, I saw this thing on Facebook. Uh, somebody had reposted it, and it was uh, like a brass band doing uh, uh, a Rage cover, and it was just killer. Like, I, I was almost in tears watching really? this thing. Yeah, you should, you should try to look it up. It, it was just amazing. What did they do? So good. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on what they did. Um, it'll come to me at some point. Probably usually, like, they usually here. do killing the name of or <laughs> no, uh, I wasn't killing the name of down Rodeo Drive. Nope. Um, Bulls on parade. Come to me. It'll come to me. I'll look it up. I'll look it up <laughs> on the side here. Don't put me under too much pressure. I can't do that right now. <laughs> Answer so, now. So, uh, so uh, but yeah, you should try and find it for anybody that's on Facebook. You know, right now, look it up. We could have played killer. racehorse. Jam band. Oh uh, yeah, we stream. We stream. Um, yeah. w- w- the reason why I bring up Be Real because he has a show on his. He has a network on YouTube and stuff called Be Real TV, and he has a show called Doctor Green Thumb. Yeah, and uh, he's very pro legalizing marijuana and oh, all, yeah. all that. They, the, they, they have, have to do the smoke box, the smoke and box, yeah. it's one of his shows. And they've got a bunch of cool content on Be Real I've, I've seen him do that with you know some growers that that we work with, which is always cool, right? And that's that's really what people are interested in. I mean, you look at like Instagram. You know, and you go to some of the grows uh, that we work with or that we know, you know, um, they'll have like 150,000 followers. You know, every post gets 18,000 thumbs up, you know, just like a picture of flower or whatever. And that's that's what people are, are really interested in, want to see. Um, and, and that's awesome. You know what I mean? And I think it's great that uh, I remember when I was like, you know, listening to Cypress Hill, uh, you know, in my like early teens and other people around were like, making a big deal out of it you know mm-hmm. i mean i remember like when we were kids we were talking about this a little bit when i was first in the studio before you, you, you went on uh, about how different it is right and i yeah. feel like when i have those conversations like geez what an old fucking man i am you know what i mean that i'm like <laughs> one of those guys now like yeah. you know when when i was a kid you know we didn't have the cellular phones you know we weren't text messaging you know and it's like Me you know too. but when i, I get was like a kid, i remember they were making big friggin' deals out of shit you know um like you know if you had a, a cypress hill uh, blacklight poster in your bedroom, uh, people are freaking out on you. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, look how far the pendulum is, has swung. Yeah. And no I think doubt. it's because of guys like Cypress Hill or, and Pantera used to have the pot leaf on their shirts and, you know, really promoting, you know, marijuana use. And that generation grew up. Right. You know, we get, we, Here grew we up, are running shit now. Right. We realize, like, you know, it's not bad for you. People, we, we've been doing this for years and now you got the money to back it. Yeah. Safer than yeah. alcohol. I mean, in my opinion, you know, safer 100%. than alcohol, safer than opiates. Uh, obviously, you know, safer than other, you know, other drugs. You don't feel like shit the next day when you wake up in the morning? No, mm-hmm. I mean, not unless you, you know, end up like the guy that was texting earlier, you know, on somebody's front porch with no pants and, and <laughs> no job, you know. And then, you know, you just smoke a little bit more and you're back in, back in the saddle. Yeah, was a I lot believe there's more, some alcohol in that. Yeah. There was a lot no, more than weed on, in, that, in that statement, that's for damn sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jay wants to know what your thoughts are on our extracts what are your thoughts on extracts i mean we were talking about it earlier yeah. where he's you know, just checking de- in depending on depending on where you are in the marketplace i mean depending on what state you're in depending on where that's coming from you know you may or may not know what's what's exactly in it you know and it, and it mm-hmm. could very well not be truly what it represents to be you know and i think there's issues with anything that's not being fully tested um and then you know i also have an issue with anything that's not full you know full plan extract i mean i think that when you start just getting a thc run and that's all you're running out and you're you're blowing off all the other and by blow it off what i mean is when you're running you know high pressure co2 is super super critical co2 is uh fast becoming the most common method right as opposed to like butane 
most most states now are really shy, wanting to shy away from butane extraction. So mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of supercritical CO2. I see that and being dangerous, butane extraction. It can be. Yeah. yeah, it can be for it's sure. It's not I healthy mean, at all. I know, can't really see it. I mean, as long as it's as long as it's uh, you know made properly, uh-huh. right? As long as it's handled properly, perfectly safe. You know, perfectly manageable. Um, you know, as far as I understand that process to be. Uh, but you know, most of the time, what we're seeing is, is supercritical CO two. That's what's most popular. They're they're getting you know high yields and things like that from it. And you know, when it's uh, done in that way, and there's just nothing but THC left and things like that in the extract, I I just I think there's a problem with that. The other thing I think is really crazy is a lot of these groups they're they're making an extract only to add back in terpenes that were not natural to the plant material they started with. So they'll add limoline back into the vape pen or the cartridge to give it that lemony flavor but that wasn't from the plant that they started with in the first place they just bought the terpenes oh it's like flavoring type it's of like thing. flavoring yeah, yeah it's like putting flavoring in a cake right and <laughs> and it's just that seems insane to me you know because you have but all the, these e-cigarettes now and yeah, they can yeah, probably pretty much put any yeah. of those li- liquids just, into yeah, it I, and 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 i've just i've been there and i've been like oh what's that little oh that's that's some limoline that i bought you know the other day to throw in my new extract run that i'm doing it's just like well, why don't we try to get it from the plant itself? Oh, well, you know, and so whether it's they don't have the sophistication to run the machinery uh-huh. to that that level to be able to do those multi-level runs. Um, you know, the way I understand it, again, I'm not an extract guy. I just nerd out on it when I'm in these facilities <laughs> is, uh, you know, they can do subcritical runs to get uh, some of the more volatile compounds out. Right. So that they don't end up destroying it with the time, heat and pressure that they're using to extract, you know, like the THC runs. So, you know, I think it's really, you know. In in a unregulated market, or you know, if it's you know gray market product, you know it's buyer beware to some degree. I, mm-hmm. I like to think that people aren't ever doing anything intentionally stupid or bad, you know. And and you know, like sometimes it's just like you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, we certainly saw it where in states that didn't have super strict laws or super strict regulations around pesticide use, you know, folks were using pesticides that they just knew how to use, and they didn't really recognize that those could be detrimental, and they weren't doing it maliciously. They were doing it because that's what they knew how to use, you know, was a certain type of product. And then the state came in and said, hey, you can't use that anymore. And there's a bit of a scramble to figure out, well, what do I do now? What do I use now? You know, and, and that's that's part of what we do, too, is, is work with growers on that type of stuff mm-hmm. for their pest management stuff. Yeah. Make sure that the product's safe. Do you work closely with all these states, like a, a state um, supervisors or any of those guys? You know what? I don't. Uh, there's a there's a gentleman in our company that heads up the uh, integrated pest management division. He has more to do with stuff like that, yeah. mainly because we, you know, state to state, will oftentimes have to get our products registered. Right. You know, so it's um, a conservation issue. Yeah. So we've got a, a powdery mildew product, for instance, that's an organic uh, product, and you know we've had to get that registered in multiple states because sometimes states will come out and they'll say. Okay, anything on the this approved list that we already have established for some other product, you can use that on cannabis or in cannabis grows, but you know, it won't include something like our product. So then we have to, you know, do the process of getting that straightened out, but I don't really have a whole lot to do with that now. Right on. Wow. <clears throat> what do you I'm going to change the directions again. Uh, you always do. I yeah. do. <laughs> well, going back to like the, the you know being federally, you know, legal, what do you think roughly do you think that's going to happen? If so, like would, when when do you think that might come down the board i think eventually it's going to happen i think that's that's kind of a you know you know i i like to think that that's probably you know where things are headed right. you know again especially once lawmakers and and the powers that be start to look around and go okay this guy's not falling the children are okay you know we're, we're there's, there's money to be made it can be regulated it can be safe um you know when it's going to happen I, I don't know you know uh you know i 
I've been watching a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk lately. I don't know if you guys I watch love Gary, Gary V. Watch you know, him every day. He's like famous. I'm not fucking Nostradamus over here, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, and neither am I. So, uh, you know, when it's gonna happen, I don't know. I think that it will most likely happen. That there will be some significant change, um, somewhere near the end of the current federal term, right? Mm-hmm. So whether the the current, you know. When the fossils get out of there, right? Well, no, I I think whether whether, you know, Trump is is reelected or not, I think that's about when we'll see that shift of some nature. Now, he recently and it was like he was getting on Air Force One or something. I don't even know the context. I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. I just kind of heard his background noise that he was asked about the I believe was has been called the Careers Act. Uh, which which has and I, I haven't really looked at that a ton, um, but, you know, would offer, you know, some relief to the banking issues and I believe would reschedule as well. But somebody asked him about whether or not he supported that. And in a roundabout kind of answer, he said he would support that. So, you know, there's definitely movement at the federal level. But he can't to, tell the truth to begin with. So, you know, and that's the thing is, who knows? Right. I mean, right. who knows whether that's true or not? I have no idea. Um, but I mean, what I would ultimately like to see is that, you know, it doesn't just get, you know, willy nilly rescheduled in such a way that now none of the, the, the companies that are already in the industry can play because all of a sudden it's a it's a schedule two or some other type of narcotic that has to be, you know, go through FDA and go through testing and go through all this kind of stuff. But rather just completely descheduled, treat it like alcohol and tobacco regulate it like alcohol and tobacco. And then ultimately what I would love to see is, you know, a, a, a framework or a model across the country where if you want to like be a home brewer, like you can now, if you want to mm-hmm. brew a keg of beer in your basement, you're allowed to brew a keg of beer in your basement. If you want to be nail Creek, you can be nail Creek. If you want to be FX Matt, you'd be FX Matt. If you want to be cores, you can be cores. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'd like to see the same thing where if you want to grow four plants under one light in your, in your basement, you're, you're allowed to do that. That I mean, I would say there has to be some rules and regs to it. You can't just, hook up a high pressure metal halide, you know, sodium or HPS light in your, your basement uh, illegally or, or shoddy or whatever. Like that's just not safe, but you know, be able to do that, be able to have a, a small little mom and pop grow that services its own little couple of dispensaries, or maybe has a, you know, adult use storefront or, or something of that nature, things that they're experimenting right, right now in, in California and Colorado there. Uh, you know, I don't know if it went through fully or not, but I know in Colorado, one of the first, one or two facilities that we're trying to do on-site consumption, uh, we're going through like a licensing process. And I know, you know, in Cali, and it's still a bit gray out there, but there's, you know, on-site consumption facilities out there as well. So, you know, like a like a bar for, for consuming cannabis. So, you know, I'd love to see that. And, and you know, again, just see it, you know, regulated like beer, where you, you have options. And if you want to go in and buy a six pack of the least expensive product, and that's what you like, or mm-hmm. that's what you can afford, or that's, you know, what you choose to indulge with, Go for it. But that's how it is. The some of these times to- in like Vegas, it's like that. You but know, each you, state yeah. has different laws, right? Right now, yeah. regarding the, the marijuana laws, they each have their own. Everyone, yeah. It's, it's a, it's so a if they were to be federally legal, they'd almost have to come up with a, a nationwide plan, right? Well, that's the thing sure. is that they'd have to say how it's how it's being regulated, and then I think the states would still have some say in that. Obviously, I mean, they do with alcohol, right? Yeah. So you know, in some states, you can't buy alcohol on Sunday, and some states you can buy alcohol twenty four seven. So I, I think, you know, that's kind of where I'd like to see it end up with an age limit. Yeah, with an age limit. Oh, absolutely. Age limit restrictions on driving. I mean, all those things I, I think need to be in place. John you know? Leone is checking. He says, uh, do banks accept growers deposits uh, considering FDIC relate regulations? Does the Fed tax growers? 
Uh, yeah, so everybody pays tax. They probably yeah. pay tax to shit. De- death and taxes. Death and taxes. <laughs> so everybody pays tax. Um, the, the IRS will absolutely accept tax money, uh, both from cultivation facilities, from employees of cultivation facilities, imagine. Uh, all of that kind of good stuff. The, um, there's definitely some issues around the banking stuff. You know, the, the coal memorandum came out, uh, you know, what, four or five years ago. Um, maybe, yeah, about that time frame. That's what really sort of opened things up a lot, right? Where they said, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Banker, if you have a client and you know this client is operating in a legal cannabis market as a licensed entity and they are depositing money with you, you may accept that money, but under these 12 roughly terms, you know, that you they're not, you know, laundering money, they're not, you know, selling to minors, they're not breaking the law in other ways, they're not trafficking out of state, blah, 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 blah. So that's what sort of opened up the floodgates. I will say that I've seen the banking industry out east be a little more friendly than the banking industry out west. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of the way things shook out. You know, I think they just kind of, you know, out west, I think they got into it earlier and got burned more frequently and, huh. and had some negative experiences, you know, trying to get into it early on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, there but there's definitely banking available. And, uh, you know, as far as the, you know, the other things go, I mean, I've definitely, you know, had some experiences over the last, what, five years that I've been uh, working in the industry and, and drawing, you know, pay from, from the, the cannabis side of, of agriculture. And I've definitely had some interesting experiences with banks where I've been sort of asked certain questions that seemed odd. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was almost kind of like they were embarrassed to ask me, like, what I really did. They're for thinking living, you're you know Walter I mean? White. Yeah, and I shit. don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking, but I've definitely had that happen. Um, I mean, there's definitely... If they think, um, you know, you're breaking the law and this goes as far as I understand this uh, for anything and anytime they think you're breaking the law with your, your money or your, your banking, they do a SAR report, uh, you know, and, and file that report. And there's different levels of that. So there's definitely still some, you know, issues around that. And I, I think that part of that Careers Act is is set to, to change that and, and have some more clearly defined rules around banking. You know, um, and, and so, you know, I know the other thing with the banks is, is that they're kind of looking at you, especially as an employee. And they're like, you could be out of a job tomorrow. You know, like if 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 Sessions, you know, mm-hmm. farts wrong, mm-hmm. you know, or Trump just changes his mind and then Sessions enforces it. You could just be literally completely out of a job tomorrow. And so they're skittish, you know, on that. And, you know, it reminds me, uh, I, I I worked for, uh, uh, you know, a guy locally who's a very successful restaurateur. And uh, one day he said to me when I was getting started with uh, Aquavita Farms and I was out looking for money and investors and he said uh, I was trying to get him to invest. He didn't, but I was trying. He says, you know, Mark, the banks aren't in the business of risk. And, and he's, he was absolutely right. right. You know, and I, I didn't quite get that. Solid that advice. Time, you know, mm-hmm. but that the banks aren't in the business of risk. They're in the business of mitigating their risk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's how, how they stay successful. So, you know, I certainly understand it. And the reality is, is that I know what I'm signed up for. I know, you know, what the industry is. And, and um, you know, I don't have a, the wool over my eyes. I think part of that, too, is just I didn't come up in it in Cali or, or you know, those areas. I remember one time years ago, I was out in Cali visiting a good friend and we're walking, walking through the streets of San Francisco and uh, we're just walking along. And all of a sudden I, I smelled, uh, you know, smelled like a pretty good bud. And I'm like looking around and I look over and he's got a, a doobie the size of my fist hanging out of his mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? He's like, it's OK, man. I'm like, it's not. He's like, we're, we're in California. I'm like, dude, you got to put that shit away. You're making me super nervous. I'm like where we live, like, 
you're going to jail for that. You know what right. I mean? And so like there's just a there was just more of a prohibitionist, you know, lingering, I think, you know, especially out here in New York or wherever, um, you know, where, you know, it just makes you a little bit more open to the fact that, hey, it's not all all legal at this point. There are still some issues with it. Right. It, it does take a little bit to get used to when you go to like a Colorado or a Vegas and everybody's just puffing up everywhere. And yeah. Like you kind of get hesitant, become paranoid all of a sudden, like, hey, you can't do it. like going to Vegas in February. We go to check into the hotel room and right in the lobby, there's a kid puffing out a, a joint yeah. right there. I'm like, you could do that right here. He you, goes, you really can't make them stop I, me. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. did and Nobody said anything. Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is, is I mean, like in, in Vegas versus I mean, like the gaming commission, you yeah. know, they've really uh, been. You know, not a fan, not a huge fan. I can imagine. And, um, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, they've 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 even put out, you know, certain. I know that over the last couple of years, you know, I've, I've attended MJ BizCon down there for the last, I don't know, four years or something. And now every time you go in, they're like, you know, really stressing, like no consumption on, on any properties, mm -hmm. you know, you know, at the at the um, now it's in the event center down there. It's a, such a huge event, um, you know, like 18000 people showed up last year. You know, they're like really stressing, like no consuming here, no consuming at the hotels. You know, the hotels when you're coming into them now are, are, are mentioning it and stuff. And so, you know, it's definitely, you know, an issue. And, you know, I can kind of understand that. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, here in New York, you know, you can't walk down the street with a, you know, you can't walk down Varick with a UC in your hands. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the law. Right. And and so. That's fine. I can understand that. Plus, you know, they're in the business of selling alcohol, you know, too, you know, keeping yeah. people drunk, playing more games. If you, you're smoking a doobie, you're going to be like, fuck this. I'm going to go see a show. Take it away from the games. I don't yeah. know. I mean, you go, you go, go to the buffet. <laughs> Everybody's out there gambling. Everybody's out there gambling. True. You know what I mean? Everybody's doing that. So, uh, I mean, it's part of going to Vegas. I can imagine the restrictions, though, and everything going on. Like you mentioned, the gaming commission, and it just got to be the alcoholic beverage control yeah, board yeah. the abc they, board i mean it's gotta got to be a lot of hoops yeah, I mean, to jump and through they've all got concerns around you know that, that it's going to poach from their business or, mm -hmm. or whatever i mean i think there's there's room in the pool for everybody they're going to do it anyway if they're going to do it there or they're just going to go out to their car and do it exactly it's going to be the done thing. Is, is that's the thing is that they're, they're just all all it's doing by legalizing the market is bringing it out of the shadows yeah. mm -hmm. right i don't i don't really think that and that there's going to be some huge spike in consumption. Although I do meet a lot of people who have never smoked, and they're like, well, once it becomes legal, I'll smoke. And I'm thinking, well, what's your point there? You know what I mean? Like, you do illegal shit all day long, but, mm -hmm. like, you're worried about, you know, taking a puff now. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there's a lot of people like this, and once it turns legal, they're going to give it a try. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard the same thing, you know, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I mean, I don't think that there's been any data yet out of any states that have gone adult use that say that there's all of a sudden this massive spike, um, you know, or even, you know, less, you know, less strictly regulated, uh, like California, where it's a less strictly regulated medical program, you know, up until now when it changed. And I, I just don't know if you're going to see this massive spike. I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like the whole thing when I talk about how I'd love to see it where you could have a home grow, you could have a small scale, you could have a large scale, whatever you want to do, whatever you've got the money for, or the interest in. Um, a lot of uh, other growers and other investors have said to me, like, well, you know, we don't want everybody to have a home grow. And I'm like, well, why not? They're like, well, because then they won't buy from us. I'm like, bullshit. You can grow you know, tomatoes you, at home. Do you yeah. think, but yeah, you can grow tomatoes at home. It's not going to stop you from going to Hannaford's, right, right, right. on the regular. You can uh, brew beer at home. I mean, no, I don't think any of the bars around here are like sitting there going, geez, if only you couldn't brew beer at home, we'd be successful. <laughs> I have never heard a bar owner say that. Right. Because why? Because it's a pain in the fucking ass to do that. stuff. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work yeah. after you've just worked a, 
40, 50, 60, whatever you work hour a week, right? Busting your ass. Are you really, you, you have to have some kind of passion for it. Right, it has to and be a hobby just, or something. It's just, just a small percentage of people that, that have that kind of right. passion for, for something like that, you know? So um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a major issue. And, and I think it's similar to people that are like, well, I'll try it when it's like, well, okay, great, you know? And I think that there's some older folks, uh, you know, in the generation ahead of us, and, you know, or what have you, that, um, you know, stopped you know, using cannabis, uh, you know, at some point, you know, used it at one point, stopped, right? Because they had families and they had responsibilities and they wanted to follow the law. And there was certainly a, a dogma or whatever you call it around you mm-hmm. know, using it. It was socially unacceptable in certain circles or, wh- or whatever reason, right? Or they just grew up and, you know, calmed down on all the partying in general. Um, and then they get to a certain, you know, certain point in life and they're like, hey, you know, I could use, you know, the medical benefits of this now, right? They're mm-hmm. dealing with, you know, arthritis and pain or they're dealing with, you know, whatever it may be, you know, illness or, or something that they can use cannabis to help treat symptoms of. And so they're revisiting it now that that opportunity is available. I mean, I was talking to a woman the other day who was talking <laughs> to me about how her her mother, uh, who's in like her her 80s, you know, that she goes to a dispensary in Syracuse on behalf of her mother to, to get her some some, uh, you know, products, some tincture that she can use to, to help with pain that she's having. And that's prescribed by a doctor because she's sick. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that's a great thing, I which think it's a lot it, safer than all the other alternatives. It is great, but they got to drive all the way to Syracuse. You know what I mean? Just to Currently. get this. And it's it's kind of high priced mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's kind of bullshit. It should be more readily available and it should be available in the flower form in the state. You know, it, it's it's a shame that, you know, they got to drive. Well, and that's the law. I mean, that that's the law right. that got written and passed. And, you know, the governor had a lot to do with that. I mean, you know, Diane Savino and, and uh, Godfrey, I think it was, who co-sponsored and co-wrote that that bill that, that, that became a law. Um, you know, Cuomo came in, you know, after the fact and, and really, you know, sliced and diced it and, and really limited it. And now, you know, they had the first five licenses that they awarded for cultivation. And then they each get what I think is four dispensaries. Uh, that they had to scatter around the state, you know, and it mm-hmm. kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way they got scattered around. But um, now there's five more that are coming online. Okay. And so and and I believe it was the same deal. They each got four. So I would imagine that, you know, the state may have worked with them, hopefully, to scatter them out a little bit better and, and start to get them into some some underserved or unserved areas of Good. the state because mm-hmm. there's definitely those pockets that exist. And then I think as well what you'll eventually see is that they allow flower in some form. I mean, I know that like, I think it's Connecticut where you can essentially buy flower, but it's been ground. Right. And it says on it, you know, like do not smoke or something like that. Person <laughs> put it in like an herbal vaporizer or something is what the intention is. But they, uh, I think there's something like that in the works here. So it's, you know, it's baby steps, you know? And again, I mean, the one thing what I remember when Cuomo was coming out on that and he said, well, you know, you can't tell me that smoking anything is good for you. It's a hard one to argue, right? right? I mean, anytime you're inhaling smoke into your lungs, whether it's, you know, whatever its source is, mm-hmm. whether it's off of a tailpipe or, or a, or a <laughs> six-foot graphics, okay, you know what I mean? Your body wouldn't react so violently to it at times if, if it was super, like, wanting that to happen to you. Yeah. Um, just my own theory on it, you know? Uh, but, it, you know, at the same time, it is the most effective form of delivery. Yeah. Is that how the states work it? Like, if they give you a growing license, they assign you dispensaries? Depends on every state. It depends on every state. Like so. in Colorado. I, I feel like Colorado is more of a free-for-all. Like, yeah, you could just Colorado's buy from bit, any yeah, of the vendors. Little, exactly. It's a little bit more of an open market. They, mm-hmm. they originally set it up where cultivation licenses and dispensary licenses were separate. Mm-hmm. Then, they, then they changed the law, and they all had to combine with each other, basically. Then they changed it again, and they were all able to separate. 
Um, so you can, you know, in that state, uh, you can own a dispensary and not own a grow. You can own a grow and not own a dispensary. You can, you can do extraction only. That's another separate license you can get. And every state's different. You know, in New York, they happen to be paired together where it was cultivation, dispensary, extraction, all paired together. And then in others, uh, it's not. Chase Stevens says, you know, you're old when you refer to a six foot graphics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was killer. I can, I can remember we actually went to uh, Burlington. Uh, back when I was living up in Placid, we went out to Burlington and bought from that one of the head shops out there this like six foot, uh, six foot glass. And then we bought an extension for it that had this like rubber grommet that you put on it and you have to like get on a ladder. <laughs> To use the damn thing like i always think you know if we if we you know my friends i should just speak for myself but if i had put half the effort into you know going to college at paul smith's as i did into uh finding unique ways to get all fucked up uh, i, I would have been uh I don't know, the president of the damn college or something you know i think uh, six foot graphics great. is a good name for a jam band that would be, that's a know? great that's yeah. a great name that for a jam would be a great name for a jam band nice yeah. mark before we get out of here give uh, people information and how they can Get in touch with you, or, or is there? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so it, you know, I've Instagram. I mean, that that's pretty much the the only social media that I really am active on. Okay. Because uh, I don't know, I'm lazy, and uh, so it's Canvas Systems guy. Uh, used to be Canvas Sales guy, uh, and I changed that up when I when I changed what I was doing for the company and within the industry. Uh, you know, and then um, you know they can check out the website urban-grow.com. Mentioned that earlier. You know, that's the the company website. Um, and that's that's kind of where all the information is. And then, of course, you know, Urban Grow itself has all the, the social media platforms going on. Um, Website, then, too. Yeah. Man. Yep. And then, you know, ton of ton of stuff on YouTube, you know, a ton of videos, interviews, things that, that I've done in the past, um, you know, not only with the, the company I'm with now, but things in the past like Aquavita and things like that. Yeah, that's yeah. you were doing the indoor farming for a while, too. Yeah, back, back when. Feels back like, when. Feels like, feels like 100 years ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, you know. You getting ready so. for this move though? You're leaving so, Monday? Yeah, 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 I'm out. Yeah, I'm out uh, Monday, flying out there. Then I gotta come back and get my dogs and go back out again. Uh, but you know, I've been I've been telling people that I'm on I'm on the final leg of the tour. Yeah. You know, going around trying to see everybody, trying to have dinner with people. You know, and going out with Angela and Eric the, the other night, trying to just catch up with people and you know anybody you know that I can run into that I just have really appreciated. You know, like. Uh, like you, you know, I was glad to run into you at the the Stanley. Yeah, uh, you know, hardest working guy in Utica over here with, with ten, ten different gigs going on all yeah, the time. Always. You know, always running from one to the next. But, but all uh, my jobs are fun. I had to explain yeah. that to somebody the other day. They're like, "Well, what do you do?" Well, you know, I I have disruption network, yeah. but I also work for creative concerts and I work at the Stanley and I do all these fun concerts and stuff. And they're like, "Man." How do you do it? I'm like, trust me, I like it. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. Fun. It's I awesome. Yeah, I love lot of what fun you jobs. do. And, uh, thanks, man. Um, I love what you, you know, do. Yeah, thanks, man. And, uh, yeah, yeah, keep I, doing you what know, you do thanks, so yeah. we can do what we do. Thanks, <laughs> buddy. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, um, yeah, so just trying to get around, you know, see people before I leave. And, and then, you know, we'll be out there. And, you know, we're looking forward to the move. But we're definitely going to miss miss Utica, miss the Mog Valley. Yeah, like I said, it's been my home for the last 15 years, the last 12 of which have been, you know, in the same house in Whitesboro. And, and um you know just met so many great people and and had so many great experiences and and uh, a lot of fun yeah you know so i'll definitely miss it definitely feeling uh feeling a little bit sad excited for the next phase you know and and my life my family's life but uh sad to be leaving the area 
Uh, just tons of great people. Like I, I just can't say enough. Well, when they bring the Cannabis Cup to Utica, yeah, in 2020, coming back, coming yep. back for sure. Yeah, we'll be coming in strong <laughs> for sure for the the 2020 Cannabis Cup in Utica. Right in Utica, New York. Awesome. You heard yeah. it. Yeah, at the odd. Well, you're moving to Denver or just outside of Denver? Yeah, okay. Erie, Erie, which is like northwest. Suburb. There's a lot of upstate yeah. New York folks in yeah. that area. Oh yeah, I've I got a ton of friends yeah. in Denver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great area. You yeah, know, it's it beautiful. Is. Weather's nice. Um, you know, a lot of opportunity out there. It's it's a it's a wonderful place. Uh, you know, uh, so we're, we're looking forward to it. But like I said, it's, it's hard not to reminisce and just uh, be appreciative for, for what this area has given me, too. Well, with know? the power of the Internet, you can keep in touch with everybody. Keep in touch with everybody. Yeah. Keep a, keep appraised a of everybody. You we'll know, have to do a road trip to come see you. Yeah, yeah. come out there. Uh, you can't know, say Denver without the D. Disruption <laughs> Network. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. I like man. that. I like do that. Do a road okay. trip and uh, <laughs> come out there. And I mean, I think you know, I, I think I said to you this before, you know, you guys should check out some of these shows and stuff that are going I know. on. That are, there's even stuff like, you know, closer. You don't have to go all the way out west, mm-hmm. but there's some cool stuff closer and. You know, we'll we'll stay in touch. I'll keep an eye on you guys. Uh, yes. And definitely tune in when I can. Yeah, I'm definitely awesome. keeping an eye yeah. on you. Right on. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Before we get out of here, Mark, are you interested in it? Well, you won't be in town, but we got this eating competition going on. An eating competition? Yes. I always wanted to do an eating competition, but I've never participated. What will you be eating? Well, this is called the Goliath Sandwich, uh-huh. and it's a sandwich that they make at Old Baby's Gourmet Sandwich Shop. Gotcha. It's over yep. at 4126 Anita Street in yep. New Hartford on the border of Utica and New Hartford gotcha. over there. Yep. Great joint. We're going to be there Tuesday, June 26th. And uh, nice. we're going to have, the, we're looking for competitors. We do have a couple already lined up, mm-hmm. but we want more. I, I think mean, Eric, do you got Eric? If Eric would be in it, it would be great. Well, the boy think, could probably I think, eat it. Huh? I think that kid could uh, kill us all. Destroy it. Destroy it. Tell well, them what it is. It's a okay. triple sandwich. It's a triple sandwich, but it's their, um, their regular. It's, we choose between the All American or the Broheim. And just to give you an idea what the All American is, it's lettuce, tomato, onion, hot cherry peppers. Mayo, mustard, hickory bacon, chicken breast, turkey, ham, and American cheese. Oh my god! Triple that. That's everything you just triple that. So it's like this high and this wide. That sounds good. And the other one is the Broheim, which is lettuce, tomato, grilled onions, roasted peppers, hot peppers, mayo, gouda cheese, roast pork, baked ham, roast beef, and honey mustard dressing. (laughs) Wow! Triple size. Triple size. Not only that, but you got to finish off a basket of fries, and you get to wash it down with a choice of a two-liter bottle of soda or a forty-ounce of beer. What, 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 <laughs> what, what do you win? Well, What's the you, prize? Do, you do get a first. The main prize is you get the golden ticket from Old Baby Sandwich nice. Shop. Okay. So you get like Old Babies for throughout the year. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. You get a couple tickets to get the let out to Saranac Brewery on August nice. 10th. Nice. Uh, you get a bunch of accolades from Old Babies. Is like your picture on the wall. And right now, wow. that spot on the wall is empty. Is empty. Because what we're doing is we're trying to set the bar for this challenge. Sure, sure. Because they were, they were coming in like trying to do it at a half hour, but a half hour yeah. is probably not long no enough. Way. No way. So we're trying to set the bar to see yeah. what the bar is going to be set at. Okay. And that's going to happen on June 26th right. at Old Baby. Yeah, so. I think you got to get uh, reach out to Eric on that one. I, I you know, we should. we should. Oh, we should. You know, we're going to do his challenge. He's got to come do our challenge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, I like there. that. If I was going to be in town, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Sounds like a good time. Challenge oh, for challenge. Great. We're going to be yeah. there broadcasting live. We nice. bring our DJs in. We got games and prizes and a whole bunch of nonsense that we bring to the table when we do our live events. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's awesome. going to be a lot of fun. It's Tuesday, June 26th from 5 to 8 p.m. We're going to be hanging. It's our very first Grub and Gab because we got a new series right. called The Grub and Gab. And the very first one is going to debut at Old Baby's. Gourmet Sandwich Shop, 4126 Oneida Street in New Hartford, Tuesday, June 26th. So come on out. Come hang out with us. We've got a lot of entertainment, a lot of prizes, a lot of giveaways. And uh, 
a bunch of nonsense that we like to oh, talk yeah. about, including <laughs> this eating competition, which we've been trying to do an eating competition just, since we launched. So just reading that made me hungry. Going. I know. I'm, so, I'm hungry right now, too. Yeah. And then there's more accolades that get thrown in as well. She She's going to give up a T-shirt, and I think you get well, your picture on the wall and, there, and, and some other things. Yeah, we're too. also going to do a uh, cornhole toss tournament. We're not going to actually play cornhole. It's uh-huh. like a, uh, We're going to set it out a good distance, and uh, it's a dollar per bag to try it and then uh you know proceeds go to um jam for john who uh one of her employees who developed cancer okay you know it's a fun for them too yeah, so great it's a lot of good things a lot of fun uh it's just gonna be a blast yeah, i think it's like gonna be a good time yeah so we want to see a bunch of our friends that that are out there looking to support rd <laughs> <laughs> i want to remind everybody they can listen to this podcast and previous podcasts of ec radio and all the content that we have here at the d at disruptionnetwork.net you can follow us on instagram and twitter and like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel subscribe to our itunes channel as well as google play and spotify and we're pretty much everywhere any kind of social media platform we're in it so you can find the d pretty much anywhere so we haunt your nightmares. We Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Tomorrow's guest, Adam Spurlozzi, author and world traveler. Do you know Adam by any chance? I don't, chance? no. I don't oh, think he, so. Yeah. He's an interesting so. cat. And the only reason why he's in town uh-huh. is because he had to get evacuated because of the volcano in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And he lives, like, right at the foothills of okay. that volcano yeah, that erupted. Yeah. And he had to get evacuated, okay. so he came back to Utica. We're going to talk to him about that and all the world travels that he's done. And wow. he's written a couple books. And Adam's a, a, a yep. really, really uh, creative type of guy, okay. but he's out there. Nice. So <laughs> That'd be a good interview. He fits right That'd in with, with the rest of Love us. Tune in tomorrow. So that's going to be tomorrow. And then uh, next week we've got uh, – or Gina's going to come in and talk about Summerfest. And uh, Paul Buckley's going to be in the house talking nice. about filming movies in Utica because there's – Nice. We were talking a little happening. bit about that the other day. Yeah, and, and, and that sparked me to hit him up. Oh, okay. So, uh, yes. <laughs> Mark, one more time. Good luck with everything in hey, the move. Thanks. And, thanks, and great to see you and good keep in touch. And, yeah, absolutely. And definitely. Yeah, great uh, stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, it was really great, great show. Great show. And do me a favor, too. Can you please share this when yeah. you're all done? And, and if everybody else absolutely, who's watching this, yeah. just click the share button. Sure, and it'll help sure. us all out. Absolutely. Very much so. We'll see you tomorrow, people. You know what the hell you're listening to? It's EC Radio. We are a generation of lost masculinity, and we got to start getting it back. No matter if you're straight or gay, no matter if you stick it in the front or you stick it in the rear, for the love of our sons, we've got to stick it in there like a man. EC Radio. Never you mind what I'm making. You should spend some time taking a personal inventory of what you're doing for the betterment of society. The Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley was born when three top producing agents with over 25 years of combined experience selling real estate joined forces to take real estate to the next level. We practice with honesty, integrity, and the knowledge to help make the buying and selling process easy and stress-free for all of our clients. We pledge to always make our clients our top priority from start to finish and even after the house is closed. We will always be a valued resource for information and assistance for our buyers and sellers. Our customers over the years have become not only past clients, but great friends. As we join hands together as the Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, we look forward to serving our clients and our community and making a positive difference. You can reach us at 315-601-9630 for all of your real estate needs. Hi, this is attorney Nick Pasolacqua. The team of attorneys I have assembled at Pasolacqua Associates has been carefully hand-picked to include the best trial attorneys in the particular areas of the law that we practice. Have you been charged with DWI or any other crime? Members of our team include former assistant district attorneys now fighting to protect your rights 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Have you or someone you love been seriously injured in a motor vehicle accident? Members of the team at Pasolacuan Associates include former insurance defense attorneys, now fighting to ensure that you get every penny you're entitled to. If you need legal help quick, don't waste your time or money calling anyone else. Remember, for legal help quick, you better call Nick and the team at Pasolacuan Associates. 315-500-NICK or 315-500-6425 or visit cnytriallaw.com today.